Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. It's so reassuring to know that there are leaders out there that want to grow, that want to take the next step. Here's the thing that I know for sure, that when you're growing, the people behind you are growing, and that when you take another step in leadership, it increases the likelihood the people behind you are going to take another step. See, as you begin to expand in your possibilities, it has ripple effects on everybody who is following you. So thank you so much for uh, taking that next step in leadership. Hey, let me give you some tangible ways that you can lead and lead better. One of the things that I had to realize early on was that I had to put myself in rooms with leaders who were leading on the cutting edge, leaders that honestly were better than me in a lot of ways. And so I paid the price of time income, uh, inconvenience, comfort to be able to be in rooms. But what I can tell you is I was never in a room with a high-level leader that it didn't pay off. It made me better. It made me better in some way that helped me in my journey of leadership. I want to invite you this year to the roundtables. The roundtables are events that we create that are leadership active and interactive events where there's great teaching, but not only is there teaching, there is some great interaction and questions, and we get to delve into a lot of leadership issues. This year, I'm tackling three subjects uh, specifically, leading in the midst of COVID, leading in the midst of COVID. So I'm going to walk you through some issues of COVID that we've had to walk through as an organization, and it's going to be pretty transparent. And I think it will help anybody because this journey with COVID seems to have an extended shelf life right now. Uh, The second one is the differences between the anointing and adrenaline. The anointing and adrenaline. I'm convinced that there's a lot of people out there that are running on adrenaline and they haven't learned to depend on the anointing. And because of that, we're seeing people fail in ministry, in leadership, and people are wondering why. And it's because they are pursuing leadership based on an adrenaline factor versus on the anointing. And so I'm going to distinguish between, and then I'm going to give you seven principles of organizational growth that were taught by Jesus. Principles about organizational growth that were taught by Jesus. Now, I have some roundtables coming up. I have one this week here in Plano on the 21st. If you've not signed up for that, I'm telling you, we've got a great group of people that are coming, but you need to sign up for that. I have one on January 29th in Seattle, and uh, that is such a fun group of people up there. I'm just telling you, you want to be a part of that. February 18th, 
18th, I'm doing a roundtable with a dear friend of mine, Michael Burnett, in Clarksville, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. And if you're in Kentucky, uh, you're in uh, Tennessee, anywhere in that midsection there, come and join us for that. And then on March 2nd, we are in the Orlando, Florida area. I want to encourage you that you can go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and sign up for any of these. Hey, as we take a step today, I want to talk to you about the Timothy model, the Timothy model. Now, when I talk about the Timothy model, I think most of you that would come from maybe a a Bible kind of background, you understand I'm talking about Timothy. He's a young man that began to reach out to Paul, and Paul began to mentor him in his leadership journey. And Paul probably spoke to him individually in the epistles more as a leader than any other individual. And as a result of that, we gain a whole lot of insight into what is it that a leader should do, what is it a leader shouldn't do, uh, how should a leader do some things, and how should they not do some things. And so I want to give you Uh, the Timothy model, because I think uh, this model is one that's still relevant for today. And this model really has a series of five uh, really major bullet points to it. The first one is this, leadership is visual before it's verbal. Leadership is visual before it's verbal. That's taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, when Paul looked at Timothy and he said, be an example. And so when he uttered those words and he gives him a series of of little qualities after that, and he uttered that word, be thou an example, it's just really, really interesting. See, today what we would say is be a great communicator. We would say, well, uh, be relevant. We would say, well, uh, you need to be current. You need to have a stage that looks right. The lighting needs to look like. The background needs to look right. And we would give people all of these things. But what Paul said is his starting place was he said, be an example. And that's because Paul understood something. There's a difference between a leader and a communicator. And there are a lot of communicators that aren't leaders. And that's one of the things I think messes people up, is that we see great communicators and we assume they're great leaders. I've mentioned before in other podcasts that uh, I'm just really, really amazed that there are leadership books out there written by people who've never built anything. So it's theoretical leadership. They've, they've never overseen a business. They've never overseen uh, a company. They've never overseen. What they are is they're communicators that write books. And so their company consists of a team of people that push out content for them. And many times these are add-on organizations that really don't work for them directly. And so when you look at their organization, it may be them and two people, and they're teaching leadership. And that just fascinates me because if you're going to lead, lead something. But today we have this dichotomy between communicating and leading. Now, let me say leaders need to know how to communicate because Paul's going to say to Timothy, preach the word of God, communicate the word of God in season and out. So you're going to have to be able to communicate But being a communicator does not make you a leader. And that's what Paul knew when he made this statement. He said, be thou an example. 
And what he was saying is, is you lead with your life more than you lead with your words. Now, when you're young, this doesn't make sense because on the front end of your journey, you're trying to be heard. And because you're trying to be heard, you don't realize that you're also being seen. And so on the front end of journey, well, where am I going to speak? Well, where am I going to say this? Where am I going to do this? But you lead with your life more than your words. And the reason for that is that leaders are being watched. If you're really a leader, people are watching you. And what that means is, is that people are out there just watching you. So people are watching you. People are watching you more than they're listening to you. There are people that are putting you under the microscope right now. And they are just staring at you. And someone would say, well, why would people watch me? And why would people watch me more than listen to me? It's because people are watching you because they're trying to figure out if they want to follow you. They're not trying to figure out if they want to listen to you. They're trying to figure out if they want to follow you. Now, with that being said, every leader has to sync up their audio visual. So they have to sync up the audio in their life so that it matches the visual and the visual matches the audio. For some of us that are way older, there was a day in time when uh, there would be movies that maybe come from one country and they would sort of give uh, English words over the acting of that particular movie. And they would show them on Saturday mornings, and they would usually be, you know, some kind of sci-fi thing. But it was almost comical because you would see their lips, and then you would hear the words, and you knew that their lips and their words were not synced up, that they didn't match. Well, in leadership, if your audio and your visual don't match, you're going to fail because eventually people are going to listen to you, but when they listen to you, they're going to watch you. They're going to say, is what they're saying equal to what they're doing? So Paul got leadership right because he was distinguishing. He wasn't saying be a great communicator. He was saying be a great leader. And if you're going to be a great leader, you're going to be an example. People are going to look at you and say, I want to be like that. That's what I want to do. If no one's looking at you saying, I want to be like that, You may have great content. You just may not have a great life. So when it comes to the Timothy model, leadership is visual before it's verbal. The next thing is to lead on the outside, you have to lead on the inside. Now, this is something that uh, is sort of a a mantra of mine. When my son Cody played uh, baseball, I would always yell at him when things got tough, went on the inside, went on the inside. When on the inside. Why? Because I knew that the way you handle pressure is not externally, but internally. The way you really master a moment is by what's happening on the inside of you. And Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, and he says, Give attention to your devotion. Give attention to your devotion. And what he's referring to is he's saying, If you're going to lead, 
You got to have game on the inside. You got to have it on the inside of you. Now, that being said, you've got to understand what devotion is. See, a lot of times uh, people look at their pet, you know, I have three dogs and I love them and they're fun and they make me happy. But I have one of the three who just the joy of their life is just being next to me and and just having me be close to them. And and we use that sometime as an illustration of devotion. Well, this dog is so devoted to you. Here's the thing. Devotion is two things. Devotion equals dedication plus discipline. Dedication plus discipline. So, Devotion is going to be dedication, and it's going to be discipline. Now, dedication involves your heart. And so, if you're going to be a person of devotion, then you have dedication. And dedication is your heart because you're learning how to grow it. You're learning how to grow your heart. You're learning how to expand the possibilities of your heart. So when Paul looks at Timothy and he says, hey, give attention uh, to devotion, he's saying, have the dedication to grow your heart, grow on the inside. But then secondly, it's discipline. And that's your flesh, that's your body. And that's the ability to grow on the outside. And so the first one, dedication, grow it. The second one, discipline, live it. And so what he's saying is, is the package of devotion is two-sided. It's growing on the inside and it's living it on the outside. There's nothing worse than somebody who has great personal time, who has a bad personal life. So if my devotion is meaningful, then it's going from being a moment of information to a moment of transformation. So Paul looks at this guy, he says, be an example. He says, give attention to your devotion. And and then he says, remember your gift. So number three, find your A-game. Find your A-game. Now your A-game is where you're at your best. Where you're at your best. So you've got to find your A-game. What what is your gift? What is it that you are exceptional at? What is it that you're really, really good at? And so in verse 14, he says, don't forget your gift. Find your A-game. Now, let me talk about gifting. Because a lot of people just see, well, I'm gifted at this, but they don't see there's more components to gifting. So let me give you several thoughts on gifting. See, a gift without priorities equals burnout. You ever seen someone who is highly gifted and they're just running and they're charging and they're charging and they're running, but then pretty soon you don't see them anymore and you ask where they're at and they're burnout? It's because they had a gift, but they didn't have priorities. And see, when you take your gift and you add priorities to it, it stops you from burning out. Or how about this? A gift without passion. Someone who's good at something, but doesn't really have a fire for what they're good at. So they're good at something without passion, and they end up giving out. See, without passion, your gift will get you going, 
but it will not keep you going. So without priority, you burn out. Without passion, you give out. How about this? A gift without perspective. Without perspective, you'll miss out. See, if you don't have perspective, one, you'll be everywhere and you'll be all over. And you won't be able to have a 3D look at where you're at right now. So without priority, you burn out. Without passion, you give out. But without perspective, you miss out. And let me add, without purpose, you wear out. Paul was the ultimate man of purpose. When Paul talked about purpose, he said, none of these things move me. He says, I have a purpose. I have a mission. This one thing that I do. So priority stops you from burning out. Passion stops you from giving out. Perspective stops you from missing out. Purpose stops you from wearing out. And then principles. These, these are the values. They stop you from losing out. They stop you from losing out in life. See, Samson ended up losing out. And the reason he lost was because he didn't have any principles to guide him. And then without people, you stress out. That's why Jethro said to Moses, the thing you're doing is not good. You need some organizational structure. So you've got to find your A game, but if you're going to find your A game, it means that you have priorities so that you won't burn out. You have passion so that you won't give out. You have perspective so you won't miss out. You have purpose so you won't wear out. You have principles so you don't lose out. And you have people so that you're not stressed out. The next principle Paul mentioned to Timothy was this, be all in. Just be all in. Be totally committed You know, there was a time when they were landing on the moon for the very first time. And they were at a place where a decision had to be made. And when that decision had to be made, a phrase was uttered. We are committed. Now, that term, we are committed, meant that they realized they weren't going to have a second shot at this, and they realized that if they missed this shot, they may not have enough fuel to get off the moon. They were saying, we are committed. If you're landing on an aircraft carrier and you're a pilot, they say, you have the ball. You're now committed. See, if you're going to lead, you have to be all in. And so in first... Timothy 4.15, he says, be diligent. Now, diligence is not a word we use a whole lot today. We use other words, but the word diligent is used throughout the Bible, Hebrews 11.6. Those that diligently seek him, Exodus 15.26. If you diligently serve the Lord. See, that concept of diligence is a biblical concept. 
And what diligence means is it means it is the ability to focus. What do you need to do? Not what do you want to do, not what do you like to do, but what do you need to do? What is it that you need to do? Diligence is the ability to focus on what you need to do when you do not want to do it, which is pretty well every day in each of our lives. And diligence is the ability to finish. So it's one thing to know what you need to do. It's another thing to keep doing what you need to do. So when you begin to look at this played out, you begin to see these concepts. Uh, Leadership is visual before it's verbal. You've got to lead on the inside before you lead on the outside. You've got to find your A game. You've got to be all in. And then the one thing, and I love this because this is exactly where I'm living right now, and that is you've got to make your life matter. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul looks at Timothy and he says, you know what, Timothy, you've got to engage your life. And if you engage your life properly, two things are going to happen. You're going to be saved. You're going to experience the full extent of what God has for you, and others will be saved. Now, what he's saying is, is that you're going to live your life in such a way that your life matters because it's going to impact other people. I get it down here that we look at the scoreboard and we look at the size of house, we look at the number of cars, we look at the number of zeros in someone's bank account. But none of those things ultimately matter. What matters is, did your life impact other people's lives? Now, what Paul was saying to Timothy was he's really culminating the things he said before. He was saying, Timothy, if you'll just stay on track, you don't run here or there. You just stay on track. And then he says, when you get on track, there's going to be times of just boring life. You're just doing what you do. But he says, stick it out. So stay on track and stick it out. And then he says, if you'll stay on track and you'll stick it out, then serve others. And he says, if you every day get up and you stay on track and you stick it out and you serve others and you do that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, One day you're going to look back and you're going to see people whose lives were transformed and you're going to say, my life mattered. Timothy was beginning his journey. Paul was towards the end of his journey. Paul knew that at the end of your journey, it wasn't your house, wasn't your car, wasn't all the aesthetics of life or whatever they had back in his day. He knew that a life that mattered was the key. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this helps you. Two things. One, I want to remind you again of our roundtables. I have one this week in Plano. It's going to be outstanding. I have one in Seattle uh, the following week, and then I have one February 18th in Clarksville, Tennessee, north of Nashville, and then I have one on March the 2nd. And that one will be uh, up in um, 
Where is that going to be? In Florida. And so I want to invite you to those and sign up. What I'm telling you, you've got to put yourself in leadership rooms where there's leadership thought so you can become a better leader. I spent my life doing that. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm praying your year goes well. Thank you for being a part and taking another step in your leadership journey. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.